You are now listening to Locked On 76ers, part of the Locked On Now podcast network. Today, we're going to be talking about the Sixers are relying a little bit too much on Joel Embiid. Let's get into it. You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On podcast network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today, we will be dissecting the loss of the Washington Wizards, the over-reliance of the Sixers on Joel Embiid, and we give our personal teams that make the most sense for a Ben Simmons trade. And we are presented by Prize Picks. I am Kai Carlin of Sixers Wire, and I'm joined by the OG, Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Keith, what's going on, my man? Yo, what's up, man? How you doing? I like you saying that. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I got, got that from you. Back and welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> See, I got that from you, OG. I definitely got that from from you. From you know, from listening to this podcast when you were running it over the last couple of years. So you know, I'm uh, I'm adding that into our podcast. I definitely have to bring that back. My man, my man. <laughs> All right, guys. So we're just gonna kind of dive right into it. Keith, you know, man, like um, the 76ers, they had this quick two-game road trip, right? And, you know, they ha- they started off on a really good note, right? They were able to knock off the Miami Heat, second night of a back-to-back. Uh, they held Jimmy Butler at a one-for-11 shooting. Kyle Lowry shot two-for-11. And uh, they were able to rally from a double-digit deficit to win the game. Impressive win. But then they turn it around, Keith, and they lay an egg against the Washington Wizards. And just it kind of, again kind of brings up a lot of inconsistencies around this team right now. Yeah, I think the one thing about the 76ers is, um, you know, and and it's always been a problem for years. I I felt like like this is one of these teams where once you think that um, one thing is trending in one direction and you're, like, really on board, like, okay, the 76ers just beat the Miami Heat. Okay, they already, but but we also know that they beat the Chicago Bulls twice. Oh, oh yeah, by the way, they beat the Brooklyn Nets. So they're going to go to Washington, and it's going to be a piece of cake. And then they lay an egg. And, and to me, that's the Sixers. It's kind of like, you know, as a team where we all think that, you know, they they finally made it. They're going to make that step. And and they and they and turn around and lose. And, and the, to be quite honest, it's the same way the other way. There's times when they struggle and you're thinking like, okay, this team is is out of it and they're not going to do well. And then they mess around and get a win. And you're like, whoa, I didn't know they could do that. So they, it just seems like whenever you think they're trending in one direction, they either lay an egg or they come back and, and get a win that you didn't see coming. Yeah, and that just kind of contributes to the up and down of how the season has really gone. Um, as you mentioned, they beat Chicago twice. They've uh, beaten Miami. They've beaten Brooklyn. And, um, you know, they, they've got some really good wins under their belt. I think they even went into Denver and beat the Nuggets. Um, I think they held Nikola Jokic to, like, a really poor performance after halftime. The thing is, is just you kind of just really look at this team and, like, there are so many just inconsistencies just from top to bottom Um, you know, Tobias Harris, you never really know if he's going to, you know, revert back to that guy who tries to go one-on-one and dance a lot. You know, that's something Doc Rivers kind of mentions a lot. He doesn't want him doing that. 
And Tobias seems like he's doing that a lot this year that he really didn't do last year. And that's why he had so much success. Um, and that's why I feel like his numbers are down. You can't really rely on Tyrese Maxey too much. I know we talked about him in the previous episode that, you know, he's been playing pretty well, but he's still a second year guard and, you know, like he still makes mistakes. Then you got Seth Curry who, listen, Keith, I feel like Seth should be, will be much better coming off the bench for this, for this team. Like, like as a guy, just a three point sniper. I mean, he's, he's been pretty solid this year in, in terms of like being able to handle the ball and set up his teammates, but I feel like he would flourish at a bench role here rather than a starter. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, you know, because, and to me, it's a tough one. The reason why I'm saying it's a tough one is because I understand where you're coming from. Right. You know, just because he was like, you know, quote unquote, uh, labeled as a career backup, you know what I mean? But but he played so well with, um, with Joel. And Joel, yeah. And, and also, I honestly think that, you know, I think that the fact that they don't have a pure, quote unquote, point guard, yeah, it, it kind of like is impacting Seth and is also impacting Tobias. Agreed. Because, you know, Tobias, like you said, he's dancing. You know, last year he would get the ball in certain spots and he would go right up with it. He would do things. And then you had Seth would be the guy who was kind of sort of like the floor spacer. Now you look at him and 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 sometimes he has to assume well, most of the time he's assuming ball handling roles. So it's like, you, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, it's not really benefiting either one. And and Tobias, you know, he was a point guard in high school, a big point guard, but he was a point guard in high school. Seth was a point guard in high school and college. But at the same time, you know, with them not having a point guard, they're really struggling. And, and then the question I'll ask you is, if he does come off the bench, who do you see starting in his place, though? Honestly, I've kind of tossed this question and this debate topic in my head. And you're going to be like, you might, you might be taken aback by this, but I would put Danny Green back in there. And it's only because I feel like Danny would be able to space the floor the same way Seth can. I know Danny is not shooting the ball as well as he once did, but I feel like Seth would be just be a better, you know, player for the second unit to be able to come in and provide a little more offense for them. I know that job kind of relies on Furkan Korkmaz, but how many times has Furkan kind of been a little inconsistent in that role? Like, like let's just say we throw Seth back in there. Seth becomes that guy for the second unit. And all of a sudden, the second unit is able to have a little bit more, you know, a little bit more of a consistent offensive player like Seth to be able to kind of run things. Furkan, you never know with him. You know, he's always so up and down. So I just, I feel like if you put Danny back in there and, you know, let's say Danny gets off to a slow start, you could easily throw Seth, you know, and substitute him in for him. But that's just kind of how I see it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that when, when I look at that, I'm just thinking about how is the, you know, I, I get it. Danny, Danny Green in his prime, knocking down threes. I get it. But right now, he's been a little bit inconsistent on the offensive end. This year he um, has. You know, so to me, um, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, you need for that second unit to work. I think you need, first of all, I think, you know, it's hard when you don't have a pure point guard, mm -hmm. but you do have Maxi. Um, who gets buckets, but I think for the second unit, like guys who have to 
consistently step up and be healthy is Shake Milton and, and Spurka, you know, but Shake, you know what I mean? And I don't know if I, I don't know if you can start a guy like Shake and 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 uh and and um Tyrese together. You know, Danny, you know, I, I don't know. Like I get a little like to me, I'll be honest with you, to me, Danny's been really impressive coming off the bench it just seems like he gets more motivated or something like how dare you bench me i'm gonna prove you wrong like you know what i mean to me he seems like better but i get what you're saying i just don't know if this roster has the makeup that that to have someone you can consistently depend on to start in place of Seth. i understand that and and, and I do agree with you that Danny has kind of really embraced that bench role a little bit, kind of like, oh, look at me. I can still ball out. I can still do this, this, and this. But, but, well, but yeah. yeah, maybe, just, maybe embrace was the wrong word. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but, yeah, like I do kind of feel like, you know, he's kind of like played well in that bench role. Like, like I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. I feel like he's played pretty well there. Um, so I do agree with you to a certain extent. I just feel like, you know, going back to the whole inconsistencies that we've talked about with this team, the second unit really all has kind of been the epitome of that end of the inconsistencies. And um, I just I feel like a guy like Seth would be perfect for that unit to just kind of give them a spark and be able to um, as a guy who can lead that second unit, knock down the three ball a little more consistently than Furcon can. He can also handle the ball. He can run a pick and roll with whoever. And, and I feel like that would be a really solid move for the second unit but i do agree with you like if shake is if shake comes back healthy uh after his lower back contusion and who knows when he's going to return um that does make a big difference for the second unit they just need shake to continue to just he's another one he's got to be able to find some type of consistency for that bench unit it kind of comes down to him and Furcon and Furk in my, in my opinion next we're going to be talking about are the Sixers relying on Joel Embiid a little bit more but before we do let's talk about prize picks 76ers fans you've been hearing me talk about prize picks for months have you signed up yet if you haven't now's the perfect time for a limited time prize picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users users get $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point but you must use code NBA that's right this is an exclusive offer available to locked on fans only who use code NBA. Prize Picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. It offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. I recently placed a flex play entry with an over on Julius Randle and an under on Anthony Edwards and I doubled my money. It takes me all of 30 seconds to make my selections. It's that easy, folks. Go to prizepicks.com today or go to your app store and download the app. All users that deposit and use our promo code NBA will get $50 free if your first prize picks entry scores a single point. That's right. All users that deposit and use our promo code NBA will get $50 free if your first prize picks entry scores a single point. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Thank you for making Locked On 76ers your first listen. For your next listen, make sure you check out the Locked On Now podcast. Nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. Listen in to Locked On Now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch it on the Locked On NBA YouTube channel. So, Keith, man, uh, Joel Embiid has been playing some incredible basketball recently. You know, as we all know, the dude has scored 30-plus points in 11 straight road games. That's a new Sixers franchise record. 
Um, it tied Michael Jordan for one of his records. Jordan scored 30 plus points in 11 straight road games in 1996. Um, do you feel like the Sixers, though, are relying a little bit too much on Joel? Uh, and, you know, considering that, you know, he's, he's, be, he's been a guy who has been dominant, but he's also been a guy who just if, if one bad fall, one bad injury, that that kind of messes up, a, that messes up the entire everything the Sixers try to do. So do you feel like they're maybe kind of relying him and pushing him a little bit too much this early in the year? Yeah, I, I think he needs some help. I mean, I do. I mean, you look at it. You know, he's with 11 straight points. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but you look at the margin of victory. It's not like most of these victories have been blowouts. You know, so it's kind of sort of like if Joel Embiid doesn't come to play and doesn't score 30-something points, you look at it and you can say they can easily lose the game. I mean, you know, Tobias Harris, um, you know, he struggled the last game. I believe he shot what he was either three for 10 or three for 11 or 11 or something. three for 11, you know, Furcon Cork Mize got the start. He was three for 10, you know, so, you know, it, it just seems to me right now, there are games where Tobias shows up. There are games where um, Tyree shows up, Seth shows up, but unfortunately none of those guys have been consistent they go along with Joel. So, yeah, I mean, they need a secondary score, a consistent secondary score that's able to help them out because, you know, some of these teams that Joel is, they need Joel to score these 30 points against. We're not talking about the Golden State Warriors. You know, we're not talking about the Phoenix Suns. You know, we're talking about teams who are, 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 are battling to um, make a play on a play in tournament, you know, at times. Right. So, yeah, that's, that, that's going to be tough for the Sixers um, if they can't get Joel some help, you know, um, later on. You know, the biggest, the right. And I agree. You know, the biggest examples to me were uh, even the win over Miami. Um, Joel scored seven points in the first half. And it was surprising to me that they were only down seven. Now, Tobias played well that game. He had 15 points in the first half to kind of keep the Sixers in it before Joel was able to get it going. And he scored 25 after halftime to finish with 32. Um, but then even the game against Orlando on January 5th, I think they were down 10 in the third quarter to a Magic team, Keith, that has the worst record in the NBA. And Doc, you know, he even went to the Joel-Andre Drummond lineup, but they needed Joel to score – I think 31 he had that night in order for the Sixers to rally and, and win that one. I know Tobias played okay in that one too, but the point is, Keith, you, th they shouldn't be down 10 points in the second half to a Magic team that is literally the worst team in the league record-wise. And they needed Joel to go off and be a superstar just to beat the Orlando Magic on the road. Even the earlier season matchup with the Magic uh, in Philadelphia, just, I mean, they needed Joel to go off. <laughs> actually, no, Joel struggled that game. You know, give, that's, that's actually the one time they were able to win a game where Joel actually wasn't all that great. Seth Curry was pretty good that one. But the point is, though, is just, they need Joel to be great just to beat these, you know, I'll say bad to mediocre teams. And I feel like it's like a little it's going to be something that's going to be an issue later on in the season when Joel is just so tired that he's not going to be able to be the player he was during this stretch. I agree 100%. And you know what? Something that's really 
a bad telling telltale sign about the Sixers. You remember when everyone else had like early on they had COVID, when Tobias had COVID and Matisse had COVID, Isaiah Joe, and then Joel. They didn't start losing games until Joel had COVID. He was the yeah. fourth one. I mean, literally, they were winning. And then once he won out, I believe they lost uh they lost seven of the nine games that he was out, right? Yeah. And to me, that's a huge thing. And you know, you, you listen to Doc, you listen to other people, they talk about how jointly it impacted them losing those guys. Nah, the difference was was when Joel went out. You know, that was the difference. And, you know, right about now, like we said, they just need a, a consistent second score. I mean, all these guys have shown that they can become a second score. They just they just haven't been a consistent one. Yeah, and I completely agree. It's like, and, you know, obviously every team is going to struggle when they lose their best player for a stretch, right? You know, it, it happens. But it just it really seemed like this team specifically, once Joel went down, I think they had the blowout loss to Utah. Uh, they got absolutely shellacked by the Jazz. Uh, and that was a, I think that was the second game of that six-game road trip. But then even before that, they lost to Indiana. Um, and, you know, know that, like the Pacers haven't been all that good this year. Uh, before that, they lost three home games to, I think, Milwaukee, New York. Uh, and I forget the third team. But the, the point is they were losing these games without Joel. And, you, you know, it's just the, the Sixers are just – putting so much responsibility on his shoulders and they're putting so much pressure on him that when the playoffs roll around, man, in April and, and May and, and all that, when the games matter the most, I'm not really sure if the Sixers are going to be able to even get past round one, Keith. I mean, especially depending on the matchup. Now, granted, it's January. I don't want to like really start talking about playoff predictions or anything, but it's something that really kind of crossed my mind, man. It's just it's, if they get a bad matchup round one, that they they could be bounced early ain't no could be they will be <laughs> I, mean, I mean you know what i mean like coulda woulda woulda nah <laughs> bro it's happening like they just, they just don't have it right now without i mean because you know let's face it now they dropped the six right in the law so um who is it is brooklyn in third right about now um i mean right, i know so. they I've got the standings up right now. If season ended today, yeah, it'd be Brooklyn. Yeah, I, I don't see them beat. I, I know they beat Brooklyn the last time. But I don't see them beating Brooklyn in seven games there. I don't see them. Hmm? Go ahead. And then just to like kind of add to it, the Kyrie Irving factor. Now, granted, Kyrie won't be able to play the games in Brooklyn, but Kyrie would play the games in Philly. So that's another factor. True, 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 true. Yeah, it, it, it uh, it's um, but by that point, you never know what can happen. You know what I mean? By the right. playoffs, also New York is like, oh well, you know, right. we change the rules. You know what I mean? Right. And not, not to get a little bit off topic, but to me, when a guy comes back, it's kind of like a team knows that having them as a part-time starter is tough enough. It makes you think that they know that there's going to be some changes coming down the road, you know? Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. you're probably, you're probably right. Like, I feel like at some point they'll be like, Oh, here, you know what? I mean, Hey Kyrie, you know, maybe, maybe we'll change the rules here a little bit. So 
I definitely hear what you're saying, and I can totally see that happening at some point. Now, up next, guys, we're going to be talking about a couple of teams that we think make sense for a possible Ben Simmons trade. But first, let's hear from Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions, right? If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars which can be chalky or, or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy but just get so boring. By like week three you might be thinking this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar which usually has around 240 calories 30 grams of sugar and dozens of net carbs and there's so many flavors to choose from coconut almond peanut butter brownie raspberry cookies and cream salted caramel mint brownie and many more in fact built is always coming out with new limited time flavors so check out built.com often to see what's new go to built.com use promo code locked 15 and get 15 percent off your order use promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com keith uh, the 76ers, we all, obviously we know the Ben Simmons situation. We know what's going on with this guy. He, he, he's that he's probably played actually not even probably he's definitely played his last game in a, in a 76ers uniform. The trade deadlines coming up. Um, Sixers are probably not going to move him at the deadline. We're probably thinking maybe in the off season, but let's just play hypotheticals here in your mind, Keith, what team out there makes the most sense for a Ben Simmons trade? It's weird, man, because um, because a lot of these teams that we're talking about um, are, are basically teams that really can't attract free agents, in my opinion, and, and teams that are struggling. Like you hear Sacramento, for instance, right? That's a team. Um, you know, Detroit comes to mind. You know, there's reports about them. Like me, the one team that I always thought made the perfect sense for both teams was always Portland. And it wasn't like for for uh, for Dame. I mean, of course, Dame Lillard makes the most sense. But I always felt like if even if they Portland said, we're not giving you Dame, I always felt Ben for CJ made perfect sense. Now, again, Dame is injured now. So with Dame being injured, it, it, it takes out equation. And the reason why I'm saying that is because when you look at Portland, Portland is a team that when you, you look at as good as Dame and CJ were a dynamic backcourt, they had a tough time guarding people. Right. They also had a tough time, you know, getting the, uh, beyond the second round. Like, you know, they may have gotten out of second down round once or twice, but they had a tough time like getting out of that. And a lot of that had to do is because they didn't have quality defense. So you look at a Ben Simmons who can come in there and be a solid defender, um, a five-tool guy, so to speak, playing all these different positions and aspects. I always felt like that was the best fit for both parties um, just because you can get C.J. McCollum back. But – you know, it's tough, man. It really is right now because these other teams, they're not making any noise. You know what I mean? No, not at all. And I feel like the top, the two teams that make the most sense to me are, I agree with you, Portland. 
Portland makes an absolute ton of sense. Like they are absolutely putrid on the defensive end. They are atrocious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like Simmons would be like a huge help to them um, out on the perimeter. Like, I feel like just, it would be such a big difference um, for the Blazers. And, but in terms of Philadelphia getting back CJ, I just, I don't know if CJ, it would be the difference in, in for the Sixers to make it past the second round, but um who, who knows that like maybe in a different role with the Sixers than he would have in Portland. Like maybe he steps his game up a bit more, who knows, but Portland will be one team. Another team that makes a lot of sense for me, Keith is the Atlanta Hawks. Um, the Hawks were a team that was mentioned re- recently uh, over at the athletic, I think it was, but I mean, the, the Hawks are a bad defensive team as well. Right now. Granted, Atlanta doesn't exactly have anybody the Sixers want, would want outside of Trey Young, and I think we both know the Hawks aren't trading Trey Young. But I feel like the, like Atlanta and Portland kind of make the most sense for a Ben Simmons trade. Like those are two teams that should definitely like try to acquire Simmons like out of anybody in the league. So when you look at the whole Portland, I mean the Atlanta thing, the the only other guy that you would really want would be John Collins. How do you right. think you know, like you would have to some way, somehow get Tobias out the building, right? In order yep. to do work. But how would you think a John Collins would fit in in Philadelphia? I feel like John Collins would be terrific here, but again, as you mentioned, you would have to trade Tobias and I just I feel like Collins would be really really good here. Just he's a guy who is athletic. He runs the floor. Um, he can step out and shoot the three. I think he's shooting close to forty percent from deep this year for Atlanta. Granted, it's only on three attempts, so it's kind of like a little small sample size. But he is knocking down the three ball. Uh, Tobias, I believe, is shooting just below thirty percent from deep, or maybe he's at thirty percent. So. I feel like John Collins would be a really great fit here. John's also a very good defender too. You know, I feel like he's an underrated defender as a guy who can move his feet. Um, he uses his hands well, a good shot blocker. Like I think Collins would be a good fit. So yeah, the, like the, it all kind of hinges on a possible Tobias Harris trade, you know, but I feel like Collins would fit well here. Yeah. Yeah. And the one thing is we also got to understand, like, even if they go out and get a power forward, so to speak, they still need a, a, a guard. They yeah. still need a guard. They need a, a – the secondary player has to be a perimeter player. You know what right. I mean? A secondary guy, a guy who can set teammates up and a guy who can get his own shot. And, you know, and that's not a knock against Maxi, but that's just that they just need that person. They need another one. Well, that's where Sacramento would probably come in, right? I mean, because they can offer a guy like De'Aaron Fox or Tyrese Halliburton or somebody like that. Now, the Kings have always said that those two aren't available, but because but do the see the way their season is going, now those two are available. You know, is it is what it is. Like if I'm if I'm the Sixers, though, I don't know if De'Aaron Fox makes much sense. You know, because uh, he's he's a perimeter playmaker, but he's not much of a three point shooter. Um, you know, so he's, just, he's, I, I don't, I'm not sure his percentage off the top of my head, but I think it's somewhere in the low thirties. So I'm not really sure if I would go after a guy like that because he's not much of a shooter. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, and I, I don't know, I guess it is, that's a tough one because it, it's all about who's available. Right. Right. And, 
and 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 that's why you know we always hear about an option is to hold on to him and try to move him this off season, you know, via sign and trade or or, or what have you. But um, it, it it's tough, man. It's it's really tough right about now. It, it is. It's really tough. Yeah, especially when you consider the fact that you know we are coming up. We are getting very close to that trade deadline, Keith. You know and I'm not really sure um, like what, what you can really get for, for Ben Simmons right now with the deadline, which is again, what you just mentioned, they're going, they're probably just going to wait to the off season, wait this whole thing out and try to go after James Harden and that sign and trade that we talked about yesterday. And I, I think it's a weird dynamic. I think it's a little disappointing on, on Ben's part because he is only 25 and he's kind of wasting a year, but I mean, listen, if this gets him what he wants and so be it. Yeah, and see, the thing we got to realize is, you know, a lot of people say he's only 25, he's wasting a year. I don't think he cares about that. Right. I mean, I think other people care about more. Oh, he's doing this. Nah, to him, it's like he just doesn't want to be here. And he just doesn't, like, you know, it's one of those, like, a woman scorned, so to speak. Like, she, she when she's done, she's done, dude. Like, right. it's nothing you can do. And, and um. And or, you know, I, I just feel like, you know, he's a person who he's done with the organization and he's standing up for it. And he, he's not going to back down. He's not going to give in. And, uh, you know, uh, does it look bad or does it look like, wow, I can't believe he gave up a year. But at the end of the day, he's going to go elsewhere and he's going to play and he's probably going to become an all star again. And people going to forget all about it. It's like I hate to say it, but they will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, you're not wrong, but I mean, I I guess what I'm saying is I would love to see Ben Simmons get back out on the floor as quickly as possible, considering, you know, everything else that he can do out there, you know, on an everyday basis. Thanks for making Locked On Sixers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Keith, thank you so much. I am Kai Carlin for Keith Pompey. We're out. We'll see you guys next time on Locked On Sixers.